This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adinsami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorj, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. Welcome to America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. It is Saturday morning, and thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. We begin our segment on this weekend's program with a principal leader who is advancing our constitutional principles and shared values. We are delighted to once again welcome to this program a very special guest, Ambassador Ken Blackwell. Ambassador Ken Blackwell is the former mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio. He served as Secretary of State and State Treasurer of the Great State of Ohio, and as a former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Human Rights Commission. Ambassador Blackwell is a leader in the public policy arena and is a minority owner of the Cincinnati Reds. And without any further delay, we extend a warm welcome to Ambassador Ken Blackwell. Good morning and welcome to you, sir. Welcome, Ambassador Blackwell. Good morning to you both. Such a delight to be with you all again as we kick off 2024, a very uh, important year in the history of our constitutional republic. Absolutely. And as we delve more into detail about what 2024 holds for Americans as far as elections are concerned, election integrity, we would just like to take a moment to reflect on your most recent trip, your journey. As you walked on Israeli soil with trusted allies, including former governors Mike Huckabee from the state of Arkansas and Sam Brownback from Kansas, you took this trip just days before Christmas and you Travel to areas that were really hit hard by the Iranian-backed Hamas terrorist group and the Palestinian jihadists. And indeed, the brutal attacks on October 7, 2023, horrified the world and left a deep scar on the hearts of millions of Israelis and Jews in America and other places around the world. And Ambassador Blackwell, could you share with our engaged listeners your most recent trip to Israel? What did you experience as you visited the Kfar Azar Kibbutz, met with Israeli families hit hard by the terrorist attack, and your engagement with the Jewish state's leaders? Well, you know, you framed it correctly. The terror uh, and brutality of October the 7th was the most vicious attack on the Jewish people since the Holocaust. Uh, and our delegation thought it was important, uh, given that we each had been to Israel many times and had deep entwined histories with, with uh, the people of, of Israel, that we be there to express our solidarity to them as the, the nation of Israel was under a direct attack. Uh, by not only Hamas but Hezbollah, uh, both who are uh, who are puppets of I Iran, uh, 
And so we wanted to talk with, with, with families that had been stricken by this this terrorist rampage, uh, and we and we and we did, uh, and we listened to the the, the horror stories that uh, that they experienced in these uh, kibbutzims. It was heart wrenching, and it was something that I you know didn't look forward to, but I felt that it was an obligation that we have to to tell people in in this in this moment of terror uh, that they had. Uh, allies that were willing to, to to take a stand. The other thing that I was determined to do was to see firsthand uh, the, the results of this attack uh, and to make sure that people had an appreciation for the, I think, the obligation uh, that the Israeli government had uh, to make sure that it uprooted and destroyed Hamas. Uh, and and to realize that the the attack was not just an attack by Hamas, uh, but uh, Hezbollah. Uh, and now what we know uh, and we should know is that the Houthis based in, in, in Yemen uh, and now terrorizing the waterways uh, of the Red Sea. This is not just an attack on Israel, but a, an attack on the United States of America. Uh, and so we must understand that the Islamist terrorists uh, see Israel as the little devil and the United States as the big devil. Uh, and their ultimate goal is to destroy us all. Mm. Right. And Ambassador Blackwell, as you shared, the main culprit for terrorist groups Hamas, Hezbollah and Houthis attacks on Israel and our military installations in Iraq and Syria is Iran, a state sponsor of terrorism. Iran does not hide its mission to eliminate Israel and push America out of the Middle East. And rather than holding Iran to account, the Biden administration's approach in dealing with the state sponsor of terrorism in the Middle East can be summed up with the word appeasement. Ambassador Blackwell, in your excellent piece titled, Do UN's Misstep with Iran, Betraying Its Founding Ideals?, you shared about the fact that Iranian regime's ambassador chaired the Social Forum of the Human Rights Council in November 2023 in Geneva. And you say, and I quote, the United Nations itself has condemned Iran in 69 resolutions. This is the regime that in just the first 10 months of 2023 is responsible for over 600 executions. Is the same regime that during the uprisings in 2019 and 2022 mercilessly snuffed out the lives of 750 and 1,500 protesters, including many dozens of women and children. Ambassador Blackwell, where will the leadership for peace through strength come from in order to effectively deal with Iran? The United States of America has to use its position of strength at the UN to to speak into what I consider to be a, a vacuum of humanity and reason. Look, uh, I served on the United Nations Human Rights Commission, and one of the things that I witnessed was there were often there were nations that were on the jury that should have been in the dock, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that is. That is one of the challenges. Uh, and the uh, Biden administration, you know, uh, is more interested in appeasing 
Iran uh, than, than challenging its role in sponsoring uh, these uh, terrorist organizations, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, uh, who have uh, a, a total disregard for human rights uh, and, and the national sovereignty of, 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 of Israel. Uh, you know, they, they talk about from the sea uh, to uh, the ocean, which means the, the total elimination of the uh, state of, of Israel. The administration here in the United States, uh, the Biden administration uh, can't act as if uh, that is not the, the fuel uh, in, in the strategy uh, that the uh, radical Islamists are executing. Mm, right. Ambassador Blackwell, uh, we had Iranian caught, actually a terrorist watch list person on northern border. So in addition to mm -hmm. transnational criminal organizations threatening the security of the American homeland through illicit narcotics, smuggling, and other illegal activities, the border agents are arresting individuals on the FBI's terror watch list. An Iranian national with links to terrorism attempted to cross illegally into the U.S. via the northern border. In fiscal year 2023, there were 484 encounters of people on the FBI's terror watch list at the ports of entry. Ambassador Blackwell, in your excellent op-ed title, Counterfeit Drugs, Jeopardize, Ohio Safety, Security and Economy, you tie together the issues of unsecure U.S. border, an epidemic of fentanyl overdoses, economic instability, and growing national security threats from China. Adding to that is also terror watch lists and individuals such as most recently Iranian that are crossing the border. Ambassador Blackwell, could you share with us your advice to the U.S. administration to deal with this compounded problem? Our national sovereignty is under attack on many fronts, but two principal fronts are economic and our borders. The, the globalists uh, tend to uh, think that we can be a nation without borders. And so the Biden administration who basically uh, is not interested in securing our borders, uh, but in, in accommodating and in, in various ways those who are uh, illegal migrants into our, our nation's center. As I tried to get, make clear in the article, as a former mayor of a city, when you see a rising crime rate, you start to wonder what is at the, the, the roots of the crime rate? Well, one of the things that we know uh, is that uh, drugs are, are riddling our streets and our major cities. Uh, you couple that with this push by the radical left to reduce, cripple uh, police forces. And what you find is a situation where people in major cities are being uh, racked uh, by criminal element where there is inadequate uh, safety forces uh, on, on the domestic front uh, in, on, in our neighborhoods. Uh, and you see this flood of drugs that are just killing hundreds of thousands of Americans, both young 
uh, and and older. We we can't have open borders, mm-hmm. uh, and then we can't on the economic front watch as the 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 left attacks uh, the dollar as the reserve currency of the world and put us into what I call a debt trap, where uh, what we find is that we become more and more uh, dependent uh, on an administrative state that is surrendering our national sovereignty to various forces of the world. The, The BRIC nations who are basically moving away from the dollar as the reserve currency uh, their ambition, uh, particularly driven by uh, the Chinese and the Iranians it, and, and the Russians, mm-hmm. uh, is to, in fact, cripple us economically and make us less of an economic force. You, you couple that with the destruction of our energy independence, and you see uh, a, a move afoot to cripple us as a superpower and make us nothing more than uh, a, a crippled and dependent uh, state on uh, on forces who don't have our national interests at heart. Right, and uh, Ambassador Blackwell, our fellow Americans have experienced the hardships caused by failed policies of the Biden administration. The years of 2021, 2022, and 2023 were marked by high fuel costs, inflation hurting everyday Americans, and the high interest rates robbing citizens of the opportunity to invest in homes, especially a new generation of home buyers. Uh, The recent poll conducted by the Wall Street Journal and National Opinion Research Center shows a large drop in a belief of the American dream. Only 36% of the surveyed said the American dream still holds true, compared to 53% in 2012 and 48% in 2016. Ambassador Blackwell, when taking a hard look at the American economy, what are your recommendations and policy ideas that would address America's economic decline? I I think we should, one, uh, secure our borders, Mm -hmm. uh, because what what we're doing is uh, creating a situation where now uh, millions upon millions upon millions of illegal immigrants are moving into our system and, and actually sucking the life out of the vi- economic vitality of our country. Secondly, uh, I think that we really have to move very rapidly to reestablish energy uh, in independence. And thirdly, I think it is going to be very, very important uh, that we have a, a change uh, in administrations. Right, and I think that is I think that is so so important. Look, what I witness is the destruction of American citizenship, the concept of citizenship, uh, the administrative state, which is at the, the 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 center of the the Biden administration, is not interested in independent citizens. Mm. They are they are more interested in dependent subjects. Right, uh, and so all of these things come together. The Dilution uh, of of the whole concept of citizenship, uh, our economic uh, independence, where we be, we become more and more dependent upon uh, government largesse and and the welfare state. In any sense of uh, economic vitality, where we are creating opportunities, 
I've worked all of my, my, my life to create an opportunity society. Uh, and what I see happening under the Biden administration is that we have rapidly become, you know, uh, more and more uh, a nation of dependence mm. on the administrative state. Mm. Ambassador Blackwell, you mentioned so rightfully that in order to advance principled solutions and reforms in our country, uh, there ought to be a serious discussion debate about a change in the administration in Washington, D.C. And our fellow Americans have reflected on the 2020 presidential election, and there were concerns about a certain states, not the whole nation as a whole, but certain states that actually we saw where bureaucrats circumnavigated around the election laws and pushed certain ideas and, and um, initiatives that made us very suspect about some of these uh, results. And we know that you have been on the forefront of advancing election integrity in America. You have worked at the state levels in some of these uh, key battleground states. And from your experiences as a mayor of the city of Cincinnati, as secretary of state in Ohio, you bring to the table your experiences, your ideas of what to do to reform these systems so that we don't have a situation where our fellow citizens have a great disdain or distrust of the election system and its process. Ambassador Blackwell, could you share with us what has been done to shore up election integrity and what should our fellow Americans do in, in ensuring that we do have that highest level of transparency and integrity that our citizens can have full faith and trust in? Well, let me let me start off by saying that I, I, I strongly believe that the history is not advanced by chance uh, and and blind change. It is advanced by men and women of dedication and, and, and purpose. And one of the duties, of, I think, of citizenship uh, is is engagement when it comes to elections and transparency. Let me just say, if you're not in the room. You're not in the game. Mm. So we have to be involved and we have to be involved at the most basic level, the precinct level. And we're not just talking about uh, high officials being involved. I'm talking about working moms and dads, uh, housewives, retirees, uh, people who who are uh, churchgoers. We, in fact, have to be involved in the process. We had to put our eyeballs uh, on on the process. And so I've tried to work between 2000 and 2024 elections to make sure that people are engaged at the precinct level uh, as observers, as precinct workers. Uh, but they also have to be engaged as 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 voters. Uh, we can't give up uh, on the promise of America and we will surrender it if we don't if we're not engaged. So I've, I've, I've asked people to get involved. I've, I've worked very, very hard to, to make sure uh, that ballots are cast on, on paper, that we tighten up uh, the, the vote by mail. Look, there are folks who are going to vote by mail. We must make sure uh, that a U.S. Postal Service uh, that uh, loses almost annually 3% of its mail uh, is on special alert, 
not to lose our balance. Uh, and so the, tightening the, the whole uh, process so that uh, we're, we're not letting too many hands touch too many ballots before they are counted is, is very important. But it really does start. It really does start with engagement. Mm -hmm. And so as we are beginning this very important election year, I'm saying make sure you're registered. Make sure you're casting your ballot. Make sure that if you can, if you are healthy enough, make sure you engage in the process as a precinct worker, mm. uh, observer. Uh, that is so important to making sure that we rebuild confidence in the, in the process. Democracy dies in darkness. In John 3, we are told those who would do evil love the darkness. Mm. Elsewhere in, in, in our biblical teachings, we are taught that we are not to, not to hide our light that God has given us under a bushel, but that we are to put it on a candlestick. And I say we have an obligation to punch holes in darkness. And we do that in the political sense and in the electoral sense by being engaged, by, by voting uh, and making sure that we vote intelligently. Uh, there is a direct contrast now between those who want to create an opportunity society and those who want to expand the administrative state and, and, and convert us from citizens to subjects, and we must push back. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mr. Blackwell, you brought up in one of your recent articles an issue that we should probably be on a watch out, and that is automatic voter lists, mm -hmm. where it could happen that individuals without citizenship would be able to vote. Yeah. Could you kind of share your concerns about it? Right now, a slight majority of our, of our states, about 27, uh, make sure that you register to vote as opposed to some other states where uh, once you turn 18, you are automatically registered to vote. One of the real opportunities for corruption is bloated uh, voter rolls. Uh, and, and so if in fact, for instance, now there are many states where uh, illegals uh, can get uh, a driver's license. Mm. Uh, there are some municipalities who are saying these folks should be allowed to, to, to vote. Once you begin to overload a system with a bunch of folks who have driver's license uh, and you say if people who are 18 are automatically uh, eligible to vote and you say that people uh, who have driver's license, that is a sufficient uh, voter identification uh, token. Mm -hmm. I think that what we do is that we, cr we create a ripe opportunity uh, for corrupting our voter rolls. One, one of the joys of being an independent citizen of the United States, legal citizen, is that you can make the choice to carry out the duty of citizenship and the right of citizenship to vote. Hmm. Anybody who tells you that you shouldn't have to assert that sort of independent individual judgment 
is basically saying that you don't have the tools to be an independent citizen, and therefore you must be a subject who is given this right without any effort. That's the stuff of a, of a welfare state and a state that is more concerned about administrative control and manipulation than they are with free citizens exercising their, their, their responsibilities and duties. Indeed, we totally agree with what you have just shared, and we'll certainly engage our listeners and our fellow Americans on the importance of election integrity. This weekend, our nation takes time to reflect on the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. And Ambassador Blackwell, while some in our nation are working to rewrite our American history and to place an emphasis on racism and division, I know that you and I, along with the vast majority of Americans, see things with a lens that displays optimism for the future. We have come a long way, and we, the people of the United States, the majority of law-abiding and freedom-loving citizens, are working daily to form a perfect union, just as our founding fathers had hoped for. And Martin Luther King's acceptance speech on the occasion of the award of the Nobel Prize, Peace Prize in Oslo, 10th December 1964, and I'd just like to read a very, very brief excerpt. I quote, the tortuous road which has led from Montgomery, Alabama to Oslo bears witness to this truth. This is a road over which millions of Negroes are traveling to find a new sense of dignity. This same road has opened for all Americans a new era of progress and hope. It has led to a new civil rights bill, and it will, I am convinced, be widened and lengthened into a superhighway of justice as Negro and white men in increasing numbers create alliances to overcome their common problems. And I accept this award today with an abiding faith in America and an audacious faith in the future of mankind. I refuse to accept despair as the final response to the ambiguities of history. I refuse to accept the idea that the isness of man's present nature makes him morally incapable of reaching up for the eternal oughtness that forever confronts him. I refuse to accept the idea that man is mere flotsam and jetsam in the river of life, unable to influence the unfolding events which surround him. I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the starless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality, unquote. Ambassador Blackwell, as a leader who has built so many bridges and has advanced the importance of our founding fathers' principles, our Judeo-Christian principles, what is your message to our fellow Americans? What are the principles that we should elevate and what steps should we be taking in empowering a new generation so that we all strive for a more perfect union? Well, you know, when I was growing up, my my dad was fond of having us reflect upon the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. He was a World War II veteran, and the neighborhood in which we lived, uh, the Reverend L.V. Booth, an associate of Dr. King, uh, also lived. Uh, and so Dr. King, when he was in Cincinnati, uh, he not only visited with Reverend Booth, but he also visited with his friends at Hebrew Union College, uh, which was headquartered in Cincinnati. And uh, Rabbi uh, Abraham Joshua 
uh, Heschel uh, was a friend of his. And so he was in Cincinnati quite frequently. But my dad would always say, well, you know that Dr. King and Reverend Booth and Rabbi Heschel, they're all believers in this second paragraph. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. He said, you know, that was a pretty highfalutin way of saying that uh, we all are blessed to have had uh, our human rights who invested in us by God, not delivered to us by government. And so that we all had a a, a responsibility to block down and knock down any barriers to the recognition of that human dignity in all of us. And Dr. King believed uh, not in this sort of uh, the division by race and, and ethnicity, uh, but he believed that it was when we all recognize that our fundamental rights were given to us universally by our gracious God, that we in fact could live not only the, the hope and aspirations of the founders of this country, but of all the teachings, biblical teachings uh, that uh, so guided our spiritual, uh, our spiritual lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we have to say amen to that, <laughs> Ambassador Blackwell. We thank you so much for joining uh, America's Roundtable. Natasha and I truly appreciate your continued leadership, your the moral clarity that you present each time we have our conversations, and uh, truly appreciate all that you're doing, sir. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. Thank you so much, Ambassador Blackwell. God bless you both. God bless you. God bless you, sir. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan Insami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com.